Welcome to the Sports Innovation Institute podcast, located inside the School of Health and Human Sciences at IUPUI in Indianapolis, Indiana. I'm your host, Travis Smith, a proud sport management alum, adjunct faculty member, and associate editor of the Sports Innovation Journal here at IUPUI. On this podcast, we look to highlight the innovative practitioners and scholars in sports to learn and design Think the Future of the Industry together. Thanks for listening to the Sports Innovation Institute podcast. Okay, welcome to the IUPUI Sports Innovation Institute podcast. We have another one of our accepted papers to the journal, the authors today joining me for the podcast. So I'm going to let them go ahead and introduce themselves. So if each of you can just say who you are, where you work at, and then maybe what your research interests are. And if you want to give a Twitter uh, follow uh, account, whatever you want, um, we want to give that opportunity as well. Yeah, so I'm, I'm Dr. Michael Narain. I'm at, uh, I'm an assistant professor at Brock University in Canada. It's about 35 minutes west of Buffalo, New York. And uh, my primary areas of interest and, and research are in the digital sport marketing and management space, uh, sport business analytics, and uh, anything new and hip and digital uh, in our sport industry. And, and certainly artificial intelligence is one of those uh, key, key facets. My name is Dr. Liz Wanless. I'm an assistant professor of sport administration at Ohio University. I double as the assistant director for analytics. I like to research advanced analytics application to sport. I'm particularly interested in bringing these highly technical and emerging technologies to uh, an access in an accessible way to the public space. Yeah, that really kind of sums up the, the purpose of this paper. It seems like uh, uh, talking about the next step from analytics, it seems. Um, so, and then Mike, does that mean that you're a Bills fan since you referenced Buffalo? I, I am a Bills fan. I'm, I'm also a fan of, of all things Toronto. So the Raptors, the Blue Jays, and uh, the Maple Leafs, and Toronto FC, of course. Um, and soon to be two-time NBA champion Toronto Raptors. So. Oh, yes, maybe soon. We'll see if they can get started again. Well, hey, the Bills are, uh, some people are saying it's their year now and no Tom Brady in the AFC East. I don't believe it, but hopefully for you. <laughs> All right, well, thanks for both of you for joining me. Um, I, I, I reread the paper again um, yesterday, and, and it really does make it t technical information accessible, as you said, Liz. And um, so we're just going to kind of get right into that. But I always like to ask, you know, what is kind of the behind the scenes of like why you decided to write this paper for this particular one? You're really defining um, uh, artificial intelligence in sport, and so I'm, I guess I'm curious: did uh, is this just something that's been on both of your minds for a while, and you finally felt like we need to define this, or was there something that clicked and said that, hey, let's just do this now? Yeah, I, I think I'll, I'll jump in there if, if that's all right, Liz. And, and you know, I, I think, uh, and not to speak for the both of us, but we've been going to a lot of conferences, both industry and academic focus for, for some time now, specifically in the sports technology space. And you would go to these conferences and, and sit with both obviously academics and, and practitioners. And, you know, if there was this great presentation from an Amazon or a Microsoft or a SaaS or, an, or a SaaS, you would, you know, see like, a, a small fraction of the room, you know, with the light bulbs turned on and they would be like, wow, this is amazing. And, and I understand this to a T. And then you would see like a large proportion of the room also, you know, just glazed eye 
um, you know, almost hung over and you would go, what, you know, what is happening and, and why isn't the rest of the, the industry understanding what is happening here? And so there was a lot of disconnect in, in, in our opinion and specifically in my opinion from what I saw. Um, and I had written, not, not, not to be a shameless plug for another paper, but I, I had started to uh, do this in, in, in another sense, you know, whether it was social media or blockchain. And there was a lot of rece a positive reception to those pieces. And so it felt like the right time to talk about something that has been going on in our space for some time. And, and we do address this in the paper and I'm sure we'll get to it, but it, it, was, it felt like it was the right time to bring everyone onto the same page. And by everyone, I mean everyone in our industry, whether you're uh, working in pro sport or in the amateur side of things, um, that everyone understood what this technology was, or at least its capabilities. And so then managers can make a decision as to whether or not they wanted to integrate that into their organization afterwards. Yeah, and um, you know, this time that we're in now with sports, um, it might just even expose the, the need to have some AI uh, already built in your organization. Uh, Liz, I'll start with you on this one. What are some easy examples of AI and sports that are currently going on that people may not even notice is actually AI? Yeah, so I think one of the, the uh, examples that people and fans most interact with is this idea of a chatbot. So when you sign on to a web page and browse content, if there's a bubble that pops up, and perhaps they've named this person, right? Travis would, is really interested in what you are looking at on the page, or if you have any questions about the page, please go ahead and ask Travis. Well, Travis is not actually a human being. Travis is a trained algorithm to recognize patterns in human language and to respond to those patterns in a way that makes sense. And that is one of the most popular uses of natural language processing, which is a branch of artificial intelligence, what we explain in the paper. And to dovetail on Mike's response, there really is no resource for practitioners to understand the comprehensive use cases for artificial intelligence and its branches. This literature is either highly technical, uh, explaining the deep learning algorithms and testing the deep learning algorithms for keyword extraction, for example, or it's isolated very short case studies that can potentially be very sen sensationalized. So people writing articles who want uh, to get attention by either exacerbating or misinterpreting the meaning of artificial intelligence. So was very glad when Mike decided to collaborate on this paper. There's a definite need for it. Yeah, and those, um, uh, the chatbots and things like that, those have been kind of growing. I feel like a lot more organizations and industries are starting to do that. Um, how do you, how would either of you define AI in sports biz and, and why do you think that you make a case for why we see it sometimes in the sports side, but the business side of sport, it seems to not be keeping up in the pace as much as we see in the actual sports. In my opinion, I kind of saw the same thing in analytics um, where it was on sports side. Maybe that's because of Moneyball or something, but um, that it took a little bit longer for it to get to the business side of sport. So what, what kind of, what do you think the reason might be? And would you agree that it's slower on the business side? And if, if so, then why is that? 
Yeah, so, uh, you know, and, and this, again, connects back to the, the previous questions as well, Travis, is really interesting, is that, you know, in sport, we tend to be very hesitant. You know, we tend to be, uh, you know, obviously, as the literature talked about, we're inert organizations. We don't like massive radical change. And there's various reasons for that, whether you talk about the demographic of the generation who are managers, uh, you know, whether they're, you know, boomers or, or even, you know, the Gen uh, Xs of the world and, and, you know, even beneath that's millennials now, but that there's, there's some within the organizations who don't want to expend resources on new, un, quote unquote, unproven technologies. And so it's very easy in the business side to just say, this is what we know, this is what we love, and why fix it if it ain't broken, to use the old adage. And that's slightly problematic in the current landscape of sport, whether it's here in North America or abroad, where we've seen massive radical changes in our environment, not just in the sport industry, but just generally speaking in business. And so, you know, the impetus for, or, or the, um, you know, the, the rationale for sport organizations to not want to embrace things like artificial intelligence is simply because we're just so used to living in this sandbox that we've all been playing in that this is what we know, this is what we love, this is what makes us our, our return on investment that we can tangibly identify with. And to invest time, money, energy, and human resources into something that we don't necessarily know what the ROI is going to look like, that's very scary for senior managers. And particularly when they don't fully understand the technology that we're talking about. And so, uh, you know, again, one of the reasons why we wrote this piece was to provide that, that you know, starting ground, that even even keel so that every manager can say, oh, okay, this is what is available to us. This is how we could use it. And then they can start to identify with, if we invest X amount of resources, we get Y amount of, of investment as the return. Um, but yeah, I, you know, the simple answer to your question is, is just that, that sport organizations like to play in the sandbox that they're in. And so hopefully in writing this paper that we can start to break down that barrier. Well, that kind of, this wasn't a prepared question, but you kind of saying that in the last couple answers make me kind of curious about this is, is if, if they, if the sport managers, sport managers uh, in the literature doesn't catch up for the sports side, is there a concern that the business side that is not sports, that those individuals would have the advantage to kind of be hired in to sport organizations? And maybe other people that are already in sport organizations trying to be managers might get left behind if they can't keep up with the technology, because that seems like it would it would worry me if I was in that space that if I'm not keeping up with this, and then all of a sudden they want to do a jump to AI that they're going to pull people from AI and other industries into the sport. And so, is that something that uh, that I think maybe this paper might wake up some uh, some eyes about needing to kind of study this more broadly. Does, is that something that crossed either your minds when you thought about this? Yeah, so it's great that you asked that question, Travis. And the fear of being left behind is something I think sport organizations are considering at the moment with the emergence of AI and its use cases. So some of the catalyst for the use in the sport industry is actually hires from other industries. So in a, in a recent data collection of 93 uh, teams from the big four, the MLB, the NHL, the NFL, and the NBA, we found that 50% of those teams are actually employing NLP in some way, shape, or form. Those teams themselves have invested in the adoption. So when you think when you think about how 
rapidly it's being adopted and you think about the peak actually happening right now that the early adoption phase was sometime around 2000 to 2010 or two excuse me two, 2010 to 2013 you begin to realize that the more prevalent this becomes that the more uh, late adopters there will be and so this type of article encourages late adopters to hustle along. I think another reason why uh, sport, the business side is not in a hurry is that the focus has been on team performance and that maybe these team organizations haven't felt that they needed to incorporate advanced analytics or to incorporate artificial intelligence in order to uh, advance their business. But I think now more than ever with the recovery from the pandemic, sport organizations are going to think about and need to think about creative ways to re-engage their customer base. Yeah, I was thinking about that as far as um, if there's, uh, with the, the way tickets are gonna be and the way they're gonna have to do seat capacities now and, and all of a sudden things could change quickly and then it changes again because of an outbreak or something like that. And, the, and uh, it just seemed like customer service and ticketing and uh, things like that and fan engagement is uh, is going to be critical, and these people might be understaffed, and maybe AI could could help that. So that kind of leads into let's talk about NLP a little bit more. Um, so there, in Table One of the paper, for all of you that I know are listening to this, and going to go download the paper for free. Link in the podcast episode notes. But uh, you talk about the four uh, capabilities to support the sport consumer. So. Um, would, would you uh, be willing to just kind of introduce those four and uh, briefly just tell everyone what it's about? Sure, I can, I can take this one. So we, Michael and I, worked hard to think of a way to, for people, when they read this paper, to think about the capabilities of something like natural language processing. And so creating this overview with four different categories, something that we feel is digestible, we think will resonate with the audience. So first is listening to the public narrative. So if you think about, you can think about the difference between using NLP and not with assigning a human customer representative to do it, okay? So if you want to know who's talking about your team and what they're saying in the public narrative, meaning people writing articles or people on social media, to have a customer representative pour through all of those wouldn't even be humanly feasible with the amount that's produced and how fast. So there are algorithms that are trained to recognize, for example, your team name and the public narrative and summarize that information. And you can gather the sentiment if people are talking about you in a positive way or talking about you in a negative way. The second is automating the sales process. So think about these sales representatives who are making cold call after cold call after cold call. But what if there was a way that either a voice representative, an automated voice representative or an automated uh, email targeter could send all of these emails at once and handle all of these conversations at once this is an algorithm, a chatbot, trained to recognize patterns in human language. That is efficiency in the sales process that I know sales representatives will absolutely appreciate. Third is computerized customer content. So 
If you are an SID for an intercollegiate athletic uh, organization, you're covering men's basketball, football, women's basketball, right? The revenue generating sports. What if there was a way to train an algorithm to recognize key moments of other games like field hockey or soccer and then to reproduce those articles in a way that made sense to the viewers. That way you could capture all of the sports that you wanted to without being completely overtaxed or falling short. And the last is self-operating service. So you have how many patrons at a game? How many, Mike, how many people are watching? How many people are in the stands watching your favorite teams? Oh, uh, probably like 20,000. You know. 20,000. So if you are in, a, in an event and you are a volunteer and you want to answer all of the questions of all of the 10,000, 20,000 people attending the game, well, we know that's impossible. But what if there's an algorithm trained to recognize the pattern in language, again, a chatbot, that can self-operate and answer all of these questions and anticipate the types of questions that would be answered all at once? And those are capabilities that represent the efficiency that AI, artificial intelligence, specifically natural language processing, can provide. Yeah, and those are really, uh, they make sense when you put those on the table and you just share them out. And then they go even deeper a little bit in the paper with some more examples. Um, I remember when I was a grad assistant at a Division II college athletic department, you know, seven years ago now, um, that even then they were starting to talk about the SID um, uh, AI. And, and I guess one thing I know was a concern back then is, and I think this is uh, probably one example of further research is, especially coming out of the pandemic, is there, do you think there's some hesitancy because there, some people are afraid it's going to replace individuals? Because the way I see it, I could see someone of, initially thinking that but you've mentioned uh, Liz about how it could help sales managers by doing some of this stuff I see that it it frees up to be more human in other areas maybe that um, that could can I help out uh, share the balance I mean has there been has there been some concern about replacing individuals and and is that something for further research you think in the sports area yeah, so that, that's definitely been one of the, you know, and going back to some of the earlier questions, Travis, like that, that is one of the reasons why AI is also not adopted, you know, widespread um, across our industry is because of this hesitation that it's just going to take over the entire labor force. And, you know, that's entirely untrue. If we look at the non-sport examples, whether it's the Amazons of the world, the Microsoft, and, and you know, certainly the other uh, big, big tech companies, you know, artificial intelligence is used to supplement the core operation. But, you know, from a sport perspective, what we need to start to think about is not thinking of our labor as just the operational side of things. Like we need to do the nitty gritty dirty work um, that we can automate to be more efficient and effective, but have our human staff be the more strategic, the more positional pieces of the organization. And for, for a lot of people that like that structure, that scheme is, is problematic, but you know, the, the best way to think about this is, and this is my fancy word for Friday, this, this Friday morning, is, you know, artificial intelligence helps you provide the antecedents to increase your sales, to increase your fan engagement. And so, 
if you have this information ahead of time, you can start to reposition your organization or, re or pivot or, uh, you know, offer new programs based upon what you're learning through this AI. So instead of hiring, you know, to Liz's point, instead of hiring a massive sales team that, you know, all they're doing is cold calling and it's mundane and it, it, it provides a, a drain on the mental health of the, in some cases of, of your staff, you know, when we can automate that, you know, in the, uh, in the opposite or in the converse, or the inverse, excuse me, we can automate that process and use that human labor to strategize and reposition those sales tactics and, and sales, um, you know, schemes. And so, you know, artificial intelligence, yeah, there, there is this hesitation that uh, it's the machines and they're taking over. And, and we talk about that a bit in the paper as well, this sort of, oh, it's the Terminator and uh, the, the world's going to end. But, you know, artificial intelligence is not, I mean, that's just one small facet that is not you know, currently going to come to fruition. Um, what's likely to happen is this continued automation of mundane and, um, you know, basic operations so that we can be more strategic and that we can be more methodical with our operation. Yeah, strategic and creative. Um, you see some social media that some teams are known just for their social media personalities. And, and so if you're, if you're able to be more strategic, you can engage a little bit better with your creative side too, I would imagine. Hey listeners, a quick message and then we'll get right back to the interview. I wanted to quickly tell you that the Sports Innovation Journal is now accepting submissions. If you have or are looking for a place to publish your innovative thoughts and studies on the sports industry, then please consider the Sports Innovation Journal. We are an open access journal and our target audience is the practitioner looking for answers to the questions and problems in their job and we want to attract and publish researchers that are identifying and studying those questions and problems. If you are interested in learning more about the journal and wanting to submit or sign up to be a reviewer, then visit the link in the episode notes or email Dr. David Pierce, the editor and director of the Sports Innovation Institute at dpierce3 at iupui.edu. dpierce3 at iupui.edu. Now let's get back to the interview. So the last question is, uh, you mentioned in the paper uh, from McKinsey that AI adopt, adoption will mirror the timeline of analytics adopters, and we talked about that a little bit earlier. Um, so uh, especially at Ohio, Liz, just because I know that they're probably already doing this, but do you all are you all getting the impression that sport management curriculum is beginning to make that shift in the years ahead to adapt to AI like they did analytics, or is it the reverse where you're worried that they're not adapting yet? And the reason I say that is because I was a student in undergrad and grad school when our analytics started getting popular. And I'm just now really seeing analytics truly being ingrained into uh, the mass scales. And that, that seems a little slow. Um, so I hope uh, departments are starting to think about that. But uh, what is kind of your impression on what do you think the timeline will be just for starting to teach it regularly instead of maybe just a one course thing? How do you integrate it? Okay, that is loaded. To say that higher ed is somewhat slow to adopt current practice in the, in the curricula is an understatement. And I'll give you an example. So I traced the history of business analytics adoption on behalf of sport organizations. It hit its peak around 2007 and 2008. So if you think about it, sport analytics education, and I'm not talking about the technical side, 
for the technics, for the actual the sport analysts. I'm talking about the management side, the people who have to facilitate the purchase of software and have to facilitate those analytics personnel. That would have been well positioned in 2006. And so if you think about it, as I look around at our colleagues and I am making it, Michael and I just collaborated on another paper where we are making the push to include sport analytics education for the management side, that uh, I'm looking around and I'm not seeing that happening. I'm not seeing that happening yet and it's 2020. So what's very interesting about the artificial intelligence adoption is that people can be trained technically on artificial intelligence and machine learning algorithms in so many ways. They can seek the traditional academic environment or they can seek uh, DataCamp, Coursera. A lot of these places that offer, uh, Stanford offers a great free NLP YouTube video course that you can take and look up. Uh, there are so many outlets for that. But there aren't many outlets for training managers to understand the capabilities and understanding how to use them. So if we follow the same pace that we did with business analytics adoption, the peak of NLP adoption is happening right now. 2020, 2019, 2020, organizations are uh, beginning to use this at, you know, at, at the, the bulk of organizations over half are using it in some way, whether it's league, league facilitated or it's team, professional team facilitated. Then let's see, let's do the math on that. So 2006 would have been a good time, 14 years. So 14, 2034 will be my prediction that people will start to incorporate uh, artificial intelligence for the management side of sport. Now, there are a few pockets, right, of places that will be innovative. So Michael has an amazing program at Brock that is going to take on a significant uh, business intelligence component. Ohio plans to be one of the leaders in incorporating artificial intelligence in coursework for managers. And I think some of the doctoral programs, like at Temple, uh, they are very closely collaborating with the business school and producing students who have MIS, so Management Information Systems backgrounds. But we can expect for this adoption to be slow and hopefully, as Mike and I continue to populate the space with papers, <laughs> advocating for this, that uh, people begin to take notice and instructors begin to think not like, uh, you know, what was happening in the 90s, but what's happening now. So I'm just, I'm glad you asked that question. It's loaded. <laughs> That's probably a loaded answer. No, I, I study higher education, so I, uh, I'm fully aware of what you're talking about. And, uh, and so I knew it was kind of going to be a loaded response, but I think it was important to ask. Um, uh, you know, one thing that I've seen kind of pop up is, is collaborative efforts across a university, such as the, the goal of the Sports Innovation Institute is really to leverage um, different units on campus. Arizona State does the same thing, same thing with uh, their global sports um, area. And so that, I would assume that's one way until it actually gets into the curriculum of the sport management, that maybe we'll see more collaboration among universities because you might have people that are studying this in a different industry and they might be a sports fan and maybe you can integrate it with your sport manager. So maybe there can be some crossover um, that, that will help out to at least be a bridge until the, uh, until the curriculum catches up. And, and so, I don't know, hopefully we'll see that play out, but I did notice the analytics was uh, 
a little bit behind whenever I was in um, school and, and now that seems to be, uh, now we're getting to AI. And so I, that's what really drew me to the paper too when I first read it. Um, so maybe we just need Brad Pitt to start another Moneyball movie towards analytics, uh, uh, towards AI instead of analytics. And then maybe people will catch on and, or someone uh, have, a, have a good book written about it. And, uh, and then Hollywood can take over and then higher ed will take notice. Well, you have well, David Pierce there at the, at the Sports Innovation yeah. Institute. It sounds like that's a great problem for you guys to tackle together. I know he's always taking on innovative projects. So that sounds like a good, good a movie, some type of, you know, something. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe they can get all their students to, uh, to, to do one next year. So. Well, uh, I really appreciate it for you guys being on here uh, with me to talk about going all in on AI. Uh, for those listening, the, the show notes include the link to the Sports Innovation Journal download, and you can see that. And um, I just want to thank you guys again. And, and I really want a final thing is uh, you talked about other papers. I mean, are you all, are you both going to be diving into AI uh, for a while um, and going a little deeper? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I mean, as I mentioned off the top, but, you know, AI is definitely one of the, you know, key core elements going forward in a sort of business intelligence marketing analytics space, um, business analytics space as well. Um, so, yeah, you know, Liz and I are collaborating on a few things. I know Liz has got some, uh, some other projects with other collaborators. I've got some other projects with other collaborators. And so, uh, yeah, hopefully it, it, it doesn't take our industry until 2034 <laughs> to, to get going on this, but you're going to start to see a few more um, pieces come forward, but hopefully this, you know, our, our, this article is the stepping stone to get a lot more empirical work. And so for anyone out there listening, particularly students uh, doing their doctoral or, or graduate um, studies, you know, get out there, talk to managers, um, you know, collect that data because it's, it's going to become even more important to, you know, map how organizations are using AI and embracing AI. And then more specifically, once we know that, then get into that next piece, which is making AI more efficient in our organizations and refining those practices and algorithms. So um, yeah, get out there and, and, and do good work. But yeah, you'll certainly see a lot more from Liz and I in the future. Yeah, well said, Mike. And I think we should all get back together in 2034 to see how accurate I was in my prediction. But well said, I hope the industry gets inspired. Yeah, we'll pull the blog uh, and the podcast back in 2034 to you know, <laughs> see where we're at. So we'll, I'll have you all back on um, in 14 years for another episode of the Sports Innovation Institute podcast. All right, so thanks for joining me today. And for everyone listening, download and let us know what you think of the paper and uh, digest it and put it to work. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Sports Innovation Institute podcast. Be sure to follow the Institute on Twitter at IUPUI underscore SII and let us know what you thought of this episode. If you know of an innovative business program or researcher that you think we should have on the podcast, please email me, Travis Smith, at TDS at IU.edu. And please consider the Sports Innovation Journal if you are looking to publish your new and creative ideas to move the sports industry forward together.